number 14. Normally, what we would see, or uh, understand and hear that uh, in this particular chapter, it talks about tongues, and, and this is what our thoughts would be upon, about speaking in tongues or having no spiritual gifts. However, I, as I began to, to, to read chapter number 14, and when God dropped this in my spirit last week, he dropped one word. He dropped one word in my spirit last week. And that word is voices. That one word that he dropped in my spirit last week was voices. And I know we've been doing a um, series on our uh, weapons of warfare. We've been dealing with the spiritual weapons God has given us to, to fight the enemy. But I, I suppose God wants us to have an intermission or interrupt that. And now he wants to talk about voices. And so we're going to see what he has to say to us about voices. Uh, we're at 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And uh, is, I found it amazing that the whole time he's speaking about tongues and the edification of how to speak in tongues and when you're supposed to speak in tongues and when you're not supposed to speak in tongues, that when you begin looking at verse number 10, it's what we want to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. And this is where God had showed us about voices. Because I researched and I said, okay, God, tell me what is it you want, want us to know about voices. So I went and began to see about all the scriptures and it talks about voices. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, reading verse number 10, it says this. There are, and it may be, so many kinds of what? Voices where? in the world and none of them is without significance i'm gonna read that again there are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without significance verse 11 says therefore if i know not the meaning of the voice i shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. So when I looked at this, I was like, God, why, did, why was there an interruption there when, when you're dealing with tongues and all of a sudden you begin to talk about there are many kinds of voices in the world. And it's, it's so amazing because it really is. And we have to be careful to what voice we are listening to. Because here in the scripture, it says there are many kinds of voices that's in the world and we can be pulled away by the voices that we hear now today we're going to talk about uh the two kind of voices that that that's present the first one is uh the voice of god that we we need to hear versus the the voices of the world so it's important there's two voices that's the voice that god speaks and then there's also the voice uh, that the world speaks to us so we're going to first look at Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter number 3. And we're going to look at the voice of God. Amen. We're going to look at when God speaks. Because a lot of times we get things so messed up. We get things out of proportion. But God wants us to be able to be able to recognize his voice. And then also recognize the voices when the world speaks. And we're going to see the difference because it says they're all with, they're not without significance. In other words, they have a purpose. They have the significance of those voices. Now, Matthew chapter number three, 
and we're going to look at verse number 16. Today I just want to teach so we can be able to hear. Matthew chapter number 3, and beginning at verse number 16. Verse 16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, overwhelmed in grace, he went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. Verse 17 is very crucial, the key. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That was a voice that came from heaven, and it says that this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. When you look at that word there, uh, pleased or well pleased, that means there's an approval already. There, it means he's well done. He's, 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 he's taking care of what needs to be done. And, uh, and, and God is saying, in him I'm well pleased. So what we see here is Jesus is, is uh, uh, about to be baptized by John the Baptist. But the, the key here is this. God says he's well pleased in him before he does anything. Before he even enters into his ministry, God says that he's well pleased in him. So when we hear the voice of God, God is saying, I'm, I'm pleased with you. You have my approval. Yeah, what God is saying to the body of Christ today, before we do anything, before there's anything that we go about to do in ministry, God already says, I'm pleased with you. See, that's the voice of God. And see, what happens here, even before Jesus performed any kind of miracles, before he performed any healing, before he fed the 5,000, uh, before he went about calling his disciples, God said that he was well pleased. And so I found it interesting that, that we as mankind, we would tell people that, you know, in your ministry, your ministry defines who you are. But that's not so. Your ministry does not define who you are. God has already defined who you are. And so the, the world will teach you something different. And, and I'll tell you the next thing I, I discovered here. When I looked at uh, uh, God's, hearing God's voice and the things that God says. Now, before he had done anything. I mean, for 30 years, there is Christ. He's upon earth. Jesus in his earthly name. He hadn't performed, hadn't done anything. The only thing that you hear about him is when he's 12 years old. And at that point, he's in the, he's in the temple. He's talking to the, to the doctors there. He's talking to the, the religious folk there. And they are amazed at his knowledge. They are astonished because he's questioning them. And not only is questioning them, but he's also giving him answers. And then the Bible also says that he, he grew in the spirit and the grace of God. So when he talks about him growing in the grace and the spirit of God, you would ask yourself, okay, God, what's really happening? Why is it now he's, a, he's about to embark on his ministry? But this is another thing that's amazing. Before he goes out, after he's baptized, the Bible says in chapter number 4 that he is led, and we'll go to chapter 4 in St. Matthew, chapter number 4, and verse number 1. It says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be what? 
tempted of the devil. So before he even enters into his ministry, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The world will tell you that doing your ministry is where you're going to get all your temptation. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. Before you embark on your ministry, God said, I'm going to test what's in you before I put you on front street. So what happens here, the Bible says he's led by the Holy Spirit. He's not led by himself, but he is led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Now, what is Satan trying to find out? The same thing he tried to find out with Jesus is the same thing he tries to find out about you and I. Now, verse number 2 says, And when he, meaning Jesus, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards was hungry. Verse number 3, it says, And when the tempter, meaning Satan, when he came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So the first thing that, that, that the enemy wants to do is check out your identity to see if you know who you are. Because he says, if you be. Now he already knew who he was. He said, but if you be the son of God, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to misuse your power. <laughs> but when he said to him, I want you to turn uh, um, to turn bread and turn these stones into bread. So Satan, what he does is this. Because most people do not know who they are. The body of Christ, most individuals do not know who they are. They do not know and understand that Satan knows who you are. It's just the body of Christ don't know who they are. They don't know who their identity is. See, it's important that we know who God says that we are. God says, even before we do anything, he's well pleased in you. But what happens is this. We allow the voices of the world to dictate and say something differently about us than what God says. God said, I'm pleased with you. He didn't say anything else. He said, you have my approval. But Satan wants to question your identity to see whether or not you know who you are. Many people that are lost, they're lost because they don't even know who they are. Because, see, once they know who they are in God, the enemy will not be able to, to take their ear or they won't be able to hear the voices of God. See, one thing about leaders and one thing about the body of Christ, Satan can easily cause them to misuse their power. And see, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants us to misuse our power, and, what, and the way he does that is he, we do not know who we are in God. So the first thing he says, okay, misuse your power to prove you are who you say you are. You don't have to prove nothing to the devil or nobody else, according to what God says in his word. That's so important. That's, this is something that, this is a message that we have to release. This is a message that we have to give to others that it doesn't matter what Satan says about us, but it does matter what God says. We've got to know who we are in God. So don't misuse your power trying to, trying to impress Satan or trying to make him think, you know, we're all this and we're all that. You just know who you are. That, that's all that matters. Just know who you are. Now, let's look at what else he does. Now, when we begin to, 
to, uh, and, and, and tell you the next thing here. Uh, Matthew chapter number 4. Slow down, Brenda. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter number 4. Uh, and looking at verse number 4, and it says, but he answered. This is how you got to respond. And this is what will let you know what Jesus was doing those 30 years of his life when there was nothing really said about him. But he answered and said, it is written. Well, how did he know that it was written? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So, so what he was able to, to battle with Satan with was the word. See, during those times of, of, of him growing up, that's why it's important that our children get the word of God in them because that is what they're going to have to have to fight the enemy with. This is what they're going to have to have to defeat the voices that will come to them. Now, this is where Jesus took that particular scripture from. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Now, Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. Now, we're going to look at chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. We're talking about voices. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. This is when Israel had come out of the wilderness and, and God had brought them to the promised land and to the land of Canaan. Now, chapter 8 in the book of Deuteronomy, verse number 2. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did he lead them in the wilderness? It says, To humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would have keep his commandments or no. In other words, when we find ourselves in, in a wilderness situation, we just have to understand it is a testing time to be for us to be humbled. Uh, not only to be humble, but God is saying, I'm going to show you what's in your heart. Nobody has to tell you what's in your heart. God says, I'm going to show you what's in your heart. So a lot of times, this is what has to happen. Now, verse number 3 says, And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doeth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doeth man live. So God says uh, that every word that comes from the mouth of God, this is how we live. So what Jesus did because of his studies, he reached way back in, into the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and he reached way back there, and he understood, and that was the word that he used on Satan. The reason why most of the time we are defeated because we don't know what word to use. <laughs> we don't know what word to use. And the reason why the body of Christ does not know what word to use is because they hadn't been in the book to see what the word is. See, the, you, you can't use the same word on Satan for, for every situation. You've got to make sure you know Whatever the situation is, what does God say that I need to use against Satan? So, because he's very shrewd, because he's crafty and he's cunning. Because, see, now he has a voice. He's trying to attempt. 
That's what he does to the body of Christ. That's what he does to mankind. But God says we got to be able to recognize his, his voice. Now, let's go on and see what Satan does also. Let's look at verse number 5. St. Matthew chapter number 4. Verse number 5 says, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and he setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Verse number 6. And said unto him, If, here we go again with the identity crisis, If thou be the Son of God. So he knew who he was. He was checking him out to see if he knew what who he was. And the same thing that he does with us. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is what? Written. Which let me know Satan also knows the word, but he just can't live it. So he's saying, he's saying the same thing God is saying. So he, it is written, same thing Christ is saying. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. And verse 7 says, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So what is he doing here? Not only is he trying to get him to, to, to acknowledge or misuse the power or the identity God has given him, but he's trying to get him to commit spiritual suicide. He's, he, the devil takes him up to a high place. He tells him, if you go ahead and jump off, then God's going to send them angels to catch you. See, see, he's trying to get in his mind. He's trying to take over. But because Jesus Christ knew the word, he said, you should not tempt the Lord thy God. So, so Satan knew what he could do, and he knows what he can do to us to, to make us try to tempt God. And why is it that he wants us to tempt God? Why does he want us to commit spiritual suicide? What is spiritual suicide? Being separated from God. And I just got that. <laughs> spiritual suicide is being separated from God. Why does he want us to be separated from God? Now, let's look at verse number 8. He says, in verse number 8, he said, Again, the devil take him up into an exceedingly high mountain, showing him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and do what? Worship me. So Satan wants the worship that's due unto God. So that's his whole goal. He says, I'm going to give you all of this. Why do you think he likes to give us things? Because he knows sometimes when he gives us so much of things, we will begin to worship the things rather than God. So Satan wants worship. And that's one of the reasons why he got kicked out. Okay? Now, let me show you something else. Well, look at the enemy. The enemy is only trying to give you what's already yours. He says, if you worship me, I'm going to give you all these kingdoms. And not only that, but I'm going to give you the glory that comes with them. You see, one thing what I love about God is this. God is not about performance. He is not about performance. That's where the church has gone wrong. We think church is about performance, about entertainment. No, 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 no. Now, God is not about performance. He don't care about how you perform. 
What he does care about is your relationship with God. Because once your relationship with God is right, then you don't have to worry about performing or trying to prove anything to nobody because you will know who you are. Now, look what, what's happening here. Let's look at Psalms 115. Psalms, which is still Old Testament. Psalms 115. Psalms 115. Because we're talking about the voice of God. Because we're talking about voices. Talking about voices. God's voice and the voice of the enemy. Because there it said in 1 Corinthians, there are many kinds of voices in, in, in the world. And they all are without uh, some type of significance. In other words, every voice is significant. It has a purpose and a plan. Now, Psalms 115, look at the verse number 16. Remember now, you remember that, that, that verse there when it talked about how he's going to show him all the kings of the world and the glory that goes with it. And see, when God created Adam and Eve, the first thing he told them after well, he created them, he talked about giving them dominion. We already have dominion. So Satan's trying to give you something that's already belonged to you. Now, how do I know this belonged to me? Let's see what God says in his word. Psalms 115, and let's look at verse number 16. Can we read it together? Are we there? Psalms 115, verse number 16. It says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. So who does the earth belong to? The earth belongs to the children of men. So all Satan is trying to do is give you what's yours. And say, oh, fool, we think, oh, you know. Oh, look what they, what, what, what I got. You know, especially the world. You know, you sell your soul to the devil. You got a lot of uh, uh, singers that sell their, 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 their souls to Satan. And a lot of people sell their souls to, to Satan in order to gain. Do you not know you already have it? <laughs> the, the, the Lord says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And all that dwells therein. The earth is already yours. So whatever Satan is trying to offer you, you already have it. It's just you got to learn how to get it. Hello. It's, it's already there. It is already, it already belongs to you. And I'm like, wow, God, thank you. Now just give me the key. Show me how to open the door so I can receive everything God has for me. Spiritually, physically, and financially. Amen. Because let me tell you, I can be spiritually sound, but how am I going to help somebody that, that needs help if I'm financially broke? Amen. Because see, we're supposed to help one another. Amen. So, so God says, the earth is yours. I mean, just call it. I mean, it, it belongs to mankind. It belongs to the saints of God. Now, that's God's voice. God's voice, even before Jesus goes out to do any ministry whatsoever, he is tested, and God says he's well pleased. In other words, God says, you don't have to perform for me. I'm pleased with you just who you are. You just... Fill yourself with my word, and the word will manifest itself to make you become in the image and the likeness of God. But let's see how the world responds to these voices. We're going to look at the voices of the world. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. We're going to go to the book of, I'm sorry, we're going to go to the book of 2 Samuel. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Chapter number 4. 2 Samuel, chapter number 4. Are we there? Give us a minute to get a second Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter number four. We, we looked at the fact that God is well pleased with us before we even enter into our ministry. 
Don't let the enemy fool us because of the fact that we think we got to perform, we got to do all this stuff. God said, no, 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 no. You, know, you don't have to do all that stuff. He said, the thing that you need to do, first of all, is understand who you are. And the reason why the enemy can deceive us so easily is because we don't know who we are in God. So now what we want to look at, the world's voice that speaks to us, okay? 2 Samuel chapter number 4. Are we there? 2 Samuel chapter number 4. And we're going to look at verse number 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse number 4. We're talking about voices. Verse 4 says, and Jonathan. Jonathan means a gift of God, a Jehovah's gift. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He had a son. He was a builder. He was a builder. Now, it says he was lame at his feet. The builder was lame. So let's see what the word lame means. The word lame means he was unsound. He was impaired in strength. He was imperfect. He was impaired in judgment. Say so he had a son. He was a builder. He was impaired in judgment. He was imperfect. He was unsound. But what was he unsound at? He was feet. You know what the feet represents? The feet represents the foundation. So in other words, the foundation wasn't right. He built on the foundation, and the foundation was not right. So he's, he's, he's lame. He's, he's impaired in judgment. He's, he's imperfect, and it all had to do with his foundation. Now, in Matthew chapter, I think it's Matthew chapter number uh, 7, it talks about uh, uh, a wise man and a foolish man. It talks about two men uh, that, build, that build a house. We're talking about this is the house we build. It's not the external house, but this house here. This is the house that we build. And the first one it says, it built his house on the sand. And when it built his house on the sand, it talks about how the, the rain came. It talks about how the floods came. It talks about how the wind came and how it beat against that house. And it talks about how that house failed. And the reason why it failed is because the foundation was wrong. The foundation was built on sand. In other words, the foundation was not built on God. So we cannot stand... Uh, on a foundation that's not built on the rock. Now, the second one, it's the Bible says he built his foundation on a rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. See, without building uh, on Jesus Christ, we'll fall every time. So he says he, he, he built his house uh, upon the rock. He said, and, and the thing is, it said the rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, but it could not blow. blow. I almost did the three little pigs. I almost did the three little pigs. Did not blow that house down. Amen. So, it, so everything began to descend on it. They both had this. Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. They both had the same situation. The rain, the floods, and the wind. But the difference was the foundation. See, one of the foundation was on the sand. You know, you, you put rain on, on sand, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give away. You build a house on sand, it's going to give away. But if you build that house on the rock, you see, it, Everybody has the same situations in life. Everybody has some time or another in life, we all encounter the same situations. But the thing is, what foundation are we built on? Is a determination whether we stand or fall. 
So there in 2 Samuel, the Bible talks about uh, uh, Saul's son, uh, Jonathan's son. His son was lame with his feet. His foundation wasn't right. And let's see what has happened when we talk about that foundation. Because of the, the impairment of the foundation, because of the, the foundation wasn't as it ought to have been, let's see what happens when, when trouble comes. This determines what kind of foundation you got. Amen. Uh, how uh, we react when trouble comes. Now, verse number four in 2 Samuel chapter number four. It says, And Jonathan's son had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old. Five years old, five minutes he was incomplete. Why? The reason why he was incomplete, he was still a child. He said he was five years old. And then the Bible goes on to say, And when he heard the tidings that came of Saul and Jonathan, I mean his father and his grandfather, out of Jezreel, it says, And his nurse took him up. His nurse took him up, and he fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Now, let's look at some meaning of some words. The word nurse there means his support. Even though his support system takes him up in order to run or uh, trying to save his life, it, it hindered or it's, it caused him to be crippled at both feet. Is what the Bible says. Then it talks about, it says, the nurse takes him up, she flees, and in her haste, that he failed. And then he became lame in both of his feet. Now, he became lame. He became impaired in judgment. He was imperfect. The foundation was messed up. But the support, support system, that's why it's so important here in, in this church, and I can't speak for anybody else, nowhere else, that we be supporters of one another. We cannot express that enough. That when one goes through, we all go through. Amen? When one hurts, we all hurt. Amen? Because, see, you know, the way the world puts it is like this. You know, that's your thing. You, you know, uh, it's like this. That's your bag. Whatever happened, you, you, you just have to, you have to roll with it. That's not the way of God. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one goes through, we all go through. Amen? Because that's what love is all about. So, so the support system drops him, even though at that point they thought they were doing the right thing. Now, his name is very interesting. His name means dispeller of shame. His name means shame. Hmm, interesting. Why in the world would you name your child and his meaning means shame? That's just like you name your child today. And when you really look at the meaning of what you're naming your child, that's why you need to be careful about what you name your children. <laughs> because those, those names do have meanings. And what you do is you just put a, a proclamation upon your own child by trying to have a pretty name and not even know what it means. Amen. So you've got to be careful. So his name means dispeller. Uh, it means to dispel or to release shame. Now, let's look at 2 Samuel chapter number 9. Let's look at uh, chapter number 9. We're going to move a little bit further. We're talking about the world, and we're talking about how the world's voice, how it speaks, the world's voice, the world's voice, okay? Now, chapter number 9, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1 in chapter number 9. 
Talking about voices now. Now, the world will never lead you into the wilderness. Because, see, there's a difference between being led by the Holy Spirit and being led by the world. You see, when he was led by the world, what happened was he ended up falling, being led by the world. But when God sends you out, God will test to see what kind of word you got in here in you because he knows that word is what's going to help you to stand. Now, the word will not help you to stand, okay? Now, Second Samuel chapter number 9, verse number 1. It says, and David said, now the word David there means uh, beloved. And when we really look at the word beloved, uh, we're talking about the, being in the image and the likeness of God. So, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Hmm. Now, the world is not going to show you no kindness. Amen. Now, if, if you, uh, now we're going to deal with Lodabar. If you're in Lodabar, you're going to be in Lodabar by yourself. Because that's what the world is. That's the, what the world does. So here, Jonathan, which means uh, Jehovah's gift, he, he's saying, he's saying, is there anybody, anybody that's left that I can show kindness to? See, one thing about the body of Christ, is the, the Bible does say there will come a time uh, when love will wax cold. And love is, is waxing cold. People don't care about folk anymore. Now, if you're just going through, you're just going through. I mean, but, but the Bible speaks about love waxing cold. But if we have God on, our in, on the inside, then God is love. So we're all about love. Amen? Now, now, going down to verse number 3. Let's jump to verse number 3 in chapter number 9, 2 Samuel. Verse 3 says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. He's impaired in judgment. He's impaired in judgment. Now, the, the name Zebra there means to be stationed. Uh, and he's a servant. He's a servant of Saul. I looked at this and I found it interesting to note that even though he was lame in both feet, he was the son of his master. He knew where he was but he didn't offer a hand to help him. Zebra knew where uh, Jonathan's son was, but he, he did not offer one bit of assistance, even though he knew where he was. Now, we'll get to where he was in a minute. Now, he even, know, he even knew his condition. Ah, he Holy Spirit. The world can know your condition, but it still will not offer you any help. Huh. It will know your condition, but it still will not offer you any help. Amen? Now, let's, let's continue. Let's look at the story as, as it opens up. Verse 4 says, And the king, talking about David, the beloved, said unto him, Where is he? That's God's love. If you want to see God's grace, you'll see God's grace right here. If you want to see God's grace, you'll see grace right here. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Micah, Michael means sold. He's the son of the builder of a mill, which means the people of God. And where is he? He is in Lodabar. Now, what in the world does all that mean? It means the nurse, the support, the reason why 
she takes him on. She knew where he was because she takes him to a place to be sold. Now, the word Michael means salesman. But what is he selling? He said he's a, the builder of a meal. That word means he's the builder of the people of God. But why is he the builder of the people of God and he's in Lodabar? Now, understanding the meaning of the word Lodabar. Now, the word Lodabar means a pastureless place. It's a place of no hope. It's a place of despair. It's a place of total desolation and despair. Now, why would you want to take somebody to a place of no hope. Why, why would you do that? They're already, they, 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 they've got an impairment of judgment. They're lame. They're found, the foundation is messed up. Why not take them to somebody that can help them? But why take them to Lodabar? Lodabar is a place of misery. Anybody know anybody in, in Lodabar? Or have we been in Lodabar ourselves? A place of no hope. A place of misery. A place of misunderstanding. I'm like, why would she take him there? She can only take him to that place because that's the only place she knew. Interesting, isn't it? It's the only place that she knew to take him. A place of misery. A place of no hope. A place of desolation. That's the only place she knew. So she runs back to a place of no hope. That's what happens with the world. We run back to a place of no hope. That's when, 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 when trials and tribulations come, when, when things begin to happen in our life, what do we do? Instead of running to God, what do we do? We run right back to our misery. You talking about insanity? That is insanity. That's, I mean, that's insane. That's insanity. You know the beauty of it all? God knows where we are in our load of and, and that's the beauty of it. Now, now let, let's continue to read. Because I, I, I really love this one. God began to talk about where the world will take you. The world will take you back to a place of misery. Well, if, you, if we came out of misery, and by the way, you are the king's child. That's who you are. See, once you know who you are, you will not be so, so, so ready to run back to Lodabar. See, you are somebody in the, in the face of God. You mean something to God. It, it just, if we can ever understand how much God loves us, and God truly loves us. Now, he, he goes back, he talks about where he is, and, and he wants, he's inquiring. Now, let's look at verse number Six. It says, Now when Mephibosheth, the, the son of the builder of Jonathan, the builder of the gift, he's the builder of Saul, came unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence him. And David said unto Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. He acknowledges that he's a servant, but look at what else he acknowledges. Verse number seven. It says, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will do what? Restore thee all the land of, the, of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. So what happens here is this. What God does is this. 
when, 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 we're in, when God sends for us, calls us out of Lodabar, the first thing God does, he restores what we've lost. He said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore to you everything that your father had. So coming out of Lodabar, coming out of misery, coming out of a place of no hope is a place of restoration when it comes down to God. God will restore. That's a promise. If you're willing to come out. Now, everybody's not willing to come out. Everybody's not willing to come out. Okay? Now, he's, he tells him he's going to restore everything that his, that his father had. And then he's going to allow him to eat continually at his table. But wait a minute. He's lame. He's in pattern of judgment. He's operating in a spirit of insanity. And God said, you can sit at my table. Now, who would not want to serve a God like that? God says, you can sit at my table even though your foundation is messed up. You're talking about the grace of God. Oh, let's let's go down memory lane. Let's check our own resume. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's check our own resume. Check out our resume. Let's check out the fact that we have done so many things, messed up so many times, but the grace of God. It's the grace of God that has done what it has done in all of our lives. So what he says, he says, I'm going to restore that. I'm going to restore everything. And then I'm going to let you sit at my table. Why? Because when you sit at the table of God, God don't, at that point, you don't even see all mankind or nobody else can see the deficiencies that you have when you sit at God's table. He said, you can sit at my table continuously. Whatever your defects may be, when you sit at the table of God, it will not show. Why? Because you're covered huh, by the grace of God. Not, not man's way. See, they took him back to Lodabar, back to a place of misery. That was the only place they knew, a place of misery. Michael, when you talk about Michael, that was where Michael came from. He was from Lodabar. So that's all he knew. He never, he never came out. He remained in Lodabar. Some folk going to stay in Lodabar. It's just going to be that way. But you've got to recognize the voices that's speaking. God's voice shows kindness. God's voice shows kindness. God's voice shows love. You know, God's, God's voice, God begins to speak and he begins to restore. Now, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse number 18. This says, and he bowed himself. We're talking about the one that's the, the speller of shame. You know, you know how it is when you mess up your shame. Come on, let's be real, y'all. Amen, we shame. But you know what? God will step right into your shames. And he will bless you right in your shames. And he will turn your life around. But let me show you what, what, what he says right here. In verse number 5. It says in the verse number 8. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shalt looketh upon me such a dead dog as what I am? You see the perception he had of his own self? That lets you know he didn't know who he was. Even though he was in the presence of the king, he looked at himself, he perceived himself as worthless. A dead dog is worthless. So he's in the presence of the king. The king has showed up to show him kindness, and he still does not know who he is. And he sees himself as worthless. How many people today in the body of Christ views themselves as worthless? Think about it. And see, it's up to the body of Christ, those who know who they are, are able to 
to hear the right voice to let them know, listen, you're a child of the most high God. You, you don't have to do anything in order for God to love you. He first loved us. Even before we even thought about loving God, God loved us. Think about circumstances and situations in our own life, how man would have put us down, but watch what God does. God loves. God loves unconditionally. That's the kind of God love God has. It's not about performance. It's not about how much you do, how much you shine. God is not interested in that. God is interested in you becoming more like him. And God is not a showboat, even though he got it all. Even though he has it all, God is not a showboat. He don't go around doing this, that, and trying to prove, look, I'm God, look at all that. No, no. But God loves us enough to bless us. But see, when we perceive that we're worthless, see, thank you, Holy Spirit. The reason why so many of our children don't make it in this world is because they got low self-esteem. You know why they got low self-esteem? Because we don't tell them who they are in God. And, and, and the reason why most people don't tell them who they are in God because they don't know who they are in God. How can one tell another who they are in God when they don't know themselves who they are in God? Well, here, I'm here to tell you, God says, you're the best, you're the greatest, you're the most beautiful, you're awesome, you're all of that and a bag of chips. God says, you're all of that, all of that. Don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. Listen to you. Because somebody might be uh, uh, have this and have that, listen, do you want the debt they got? See, you got to look beyond the shine. You got to look beyond the clothes. They're probably living a life of misery. See, when we get caught up in the world, see, the world's way is about having a whole lot of stuff. Listen, I can have stuff and still love God and, and live right. Amen. Still can have it all. But see, when, you, when, when, when the world wants us to think that you got to perform in order to, to succeed, the devil is a spanking lie. You already succeeded when you came into the knowledge who you are in Jesus Christ. You were already in the success. Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. You were already in the success line. It's just that you just don't know you're in the success line. You're already in the success line. You're already successful. You're already great. You're already magnificent. Why? Because you're the king's kid. You're the king's kid. We got to understand who we are. What voice are we hearing? Voice. God says before Jesus even performed any type of ministry, any kind of ministry, God says, I'm well pleased. What does the world do? You got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do all of this stuff in order to succeed. No, he's a stinking liar. Because, see, you got to know who you are in God. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. You, oh, hey, oh, I said, strut with a strut, however that thing goes. Walk, you walk like you know who you are. Hold your head up. Don't hold your head down like you don't know who you are. No, I am somebody. You are a leader in the kingdom of God. Come out of Lodabar. Come out of misery. Come out of comparing yourself to somebody. No. God said, you're great all by yourself. You can make a harmony or you can make a song all by yourself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to share this. Minister Melvin's um, uh, uh, brother, young man, I think he's 16 years old. Maybe he's 16. See, 15. He's 15 years old. He came last Sunday with him. And, and the word last Sunday was about unity. 
And God inspired him because he, he went and made a song about the message, about unity that he heard. See, he heard, he heard the word and the Holy Spirit went to work in him. And when the Holy Spirit went to work in him, he writes a song. Well, we heard it this morning, but the thing is, the young folk will probably could really run to it. You know why? Because to me, it sounds like a rap song. But God took it and used the gift that he had and began to talk about unity. See, God is an awesome God. See, when you know who you are in God, God can do some stuff in you. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed who what God has made you or the gift in God has given you. Open up yourself, open up your spirit to receive what God has for you. This kid, 15 years old. I wonder what did y'all get from the message? How many of y'all went home and vote somebody? He's 15. I'm probably the oldest person up here. No, no, I'm not. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I had one of them senior moments. Amen. But, but think about that. Think about if you open up yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to, to move and operate in you, just like I'm, I'm speaking and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me now, he can be speaking to you about what's being said, and all of a sudden God will give you a revelation. It's not to any hidden interpretation. No. You understand the word of God too. Sit and listen. Hear the right voice. Okay, now let's go on. He, 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 the perception is wrong. He, he thinks of himself as being a dead dog. A dead dog. Now, watch what, watch what God does with the dead dog. Because that's his perception. Now, watch what God does. This is God's perception of what the dead dog is. Or what he would do. Amen. Verse number 9 in Second Samuel chapter number 9. It says, Then the king called to Zeba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all of his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. In other words, God said, I'm going to give somebody to work for you. Because why? Because you're the king's child. He said, and thou shalt bring in the fruits with an S, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Zeba had 15 son builders, and he had 20 servants. Verse 11 says, Then said Zeba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. And said the king, He shall eat at my table as one of the what? King's son. He shall eat as a builder at the table of the king. What God says is this. When you come out of Lodabah, when you come out of misery, when you come out of uh, despair, because that's all the world does. The world can only give you what it has. Now, the world can't restore anything. But what the world do will give you is misery. The world will give you is misery. The world will give you is misery. The world will do that. The world will give you is misery. That's what the world will do. And the thing is, God knows and God understands and God 
He, it looks to the fact that the Lord has blessed and kept us. And we got to remember the voices, the voices that God brings in the house. Got to remember the two things we got to remember. The voice of God. And we have to also remember the, the world's voice. The world wants us to stay in Lodabar. We can't go there. One thing about the world is this. The world will leave you in Lodabar. The world will leave you in your misery. The world will leave you in your pain. But what God does is this. God will go right there where you are. And let me tell you something that's interesting. Mephibosheth, which means dispel of shame, he was so comfortable at being in Lodabar that he had a child. Now, how many of us birth things in our misery? I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about some spiritual births too. See, he birthed some things while he was there. And so that's why we have to be careful about Lodabar. Because you can birth some stuff. You can birth more misery, more pain. Because see, once you're in that world's, world's way and you're in the clutches of the world, what happens, it will leave you that it will not rescue you. But one thing we do know, God himself, the grace of God will rescue you. Talking about voices. 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 Whose voice are you hearing today? It's the voice of God that tells you you don't have to perform, you don't have to do a whole lot of this, that, and other before he releases you into your ministry. You're going to be tested before you get into your ministry because that's what happened with Jesus. The first thing he's going to test you with, he's going to test you to see if you know who you are. If somebody has to tell you all the time who you are, Somebody has to pump you up all the time. That means you don't know who you are. But when you know who you are and whose you are, it makes all the difference in the world. But the world will take you to Lodabar and leave you there because that's all that it knows. It doesn't know anything else. Now let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 We, we thank and praise God for your presence, for your being here. Uh, uh, we like to acknowledge those that just came in. We, we, can, we begin at 1030 here. Uh, and we don't do a whole lot of get running, whatever. I'll be honest with you about that now. We're about the word. Amen. <laughs> we're about the word. We're about the word. And we end about this time. So, so we're, we're thankful and we're grateful that you all found your way. Amen. And we're glad that you all present and came to minister Tom. And we do have... Well, bless the Lord, Thomas. Amen. Amen. And his family. Okay, Thomas. And let's get some names. We got some other people here too. Thomas. That's the oldest son. Oh, 